just when you thought it was safe to go onto iTunes. This is Next Level Guy. The only website that makes self-development as fun as going to the movies. It's time to take the red pill and escape the Matrix. What's up then guys, it's time for another episode of the Next Level Guy Show podcast with your favourite tutor, Ian Dawson Mackay. Next Level Guy is a go-to men's interview, interest and improvement website where I quiz the experts to find out the hacks, tips, methods and protocols that you can implement in your own life to take it to the next level and live happier, healthier, wealthier, sexier and so much more. Today's guest is James the Beast Holson. James is a heavyweight professional boxer and MMA competitor. At a young age, he faced homelessness, juvenile delinquency and ultimately becoming a child of foster care syndrome. Using his own personal philosophy, he changed his life around from petty crime to become a multi-sport high school and college sports standout. As a result, he was offered a full sports scholarship to college. He went on to become the 2011 California MMA heavyweight champion with a background in Kempo Karate, Muay Thai, kickboxing and wrestling, the Beast has quickly become noted as one of the top 10 US professional MMA heavyweights and kickboxers. He's currently ranked in the top 15 heavyweight kickboxers in the world. However, it's not just about the amazing skills he shows in the ring that made me want to get this interview and made him such a big fan favourite. His passion, intensity and drive are on show daily as he drives himself forward to complete everything with 100% using his famed beast mode or no mode philosophy. Away from the ring, the dedicated father spends his time giving back and helping others who are possibly going down the wrong road, who are finding the temptations and he shows them how to use his beast mode philosophy to find their passion and go beast mode in the chase of their dreams. In this interview, we discuss his story, combat sports, beast mode, mental toughness, how you can use your demons as motivation to change your own life, and how to truly get what you want from life, and so much more. And now, let's get to the interview. For those who maybe don't know who you are, you know, you're a, you're a massive name in the sort of mixed martial arts scene and the boxing scene. You're an awesome guy, a very intense guy, but for those who maybe don't know who you are, could you just give a quick intro about who you are, you know, why you're so well known? Yeah, definitely. Um, James the Beast Wilson, a professional mixed martial artist, professional Muay Thai, kickboxing, boxer. I've, I've pretty much done it all. Um, and, uh, you know, prior to all of the, the, the combative sports, I was uh, a massive football player um, playing high school, college, semi-pro, and they got picked up professionally by the Chicago Bears. So, um, you know, I've been, I've been doing this for quite a while, the, the combats and the sports and athletics and fitness, everything, you know, it's been, shoot, pretty much since I was 14 years old, you know, so it's been a long journey. Yeah, because you've done some amazing stuff. You know, I was going through your press kit earlier and, you know, doing some Google research and over the last few weeks, and you've done some phenomenal things. But can we go back to the very start? You know, like, what was little James like? You know, what what did you want to be as a child? If I kind of could tr- transport us back to that point, what sort of things would you be doing as a kid? You know, what kind of activities interested you? You know what? When I was a kid, man, it was my perspective on life was totally different from from how I am now. Um, you know, growing up, uh, 
I play I play sports, you know, never uh, any organized, just, you know, in the street as, as, you know, regular kids and whatnot. But, you know, growing up, I was homeless. You know, I was homeless, um, dealt with a lot of gangbanging and family issues. We were very poor, single parent um, home, you know, growing up with no father. So, you know, I didn't have a male figure in the house kind of to guide me in any any specific direction, you know, I just, I just kind of figured things out on my own and, and through the street life, you know, and uh, it just became a point where, you know, I uh, was in and out of juvenile hall and out of group homes and, um, you know, we we sleeping in park benches and, and you know, taking showers in, in a park and sleeping in motels and, and cars packed up everything we own. And um, one day, you know, I just, you know, I did some things and uh, got caught up for it. And um, I was fortunate enough to where I didn't go to YA, which is Youth Authority, which is prison for for minors. I ended up getting sent to a placement, to a group home, foster care. And that was probably one of the best things that happened because from there, I began to gain some structure, which I was missing in my life. And, you know, I really was able to buckle down and and kind of find out what I liked. And that's how I found out that, you know, I was pretty good at, at sports, at football. Yeah, because, I mean, I really liked that there was an interview I heard where you said that, you know, you have a similar mindset to me, so you wouldn't change anything because everything that's happened has taken us to this exact point. You know, it's made us who we are and given us the life that we currently lead, you know, so you wouldn't have the good things without the bad things, the light with it, you know, the dark, that sort of thing. I mean, how does somebody take such horrible situations like that and you know like a lot of people would be crushed by that level of emotional baggage and negativity how did you manage to turn that around you know like because you've got an amazing mindset you're talking about beast mode going 100 percent, always on the grind how on earth did you manage not to carry on down that road and just keep you know getting caught up in trouble how did you manage to switch into james the beast wilson that we know today you know what? I mean, first and foremost, definitely, I would never, you know, I would never change anything because everything that's transpired in my life up until this point, you know, it's kind of formulated and helped mold me to who I am today. And, um, you know, it was just like, it was a switch where, like, I, I, I just pretty much analyzed my current situation when I was growing up and I was very unhappy with it. I, I didn't like it. And, you know, it was like, you can either let, you can either be a victim of your circumstance or you can pull yourself up and be like, you know what? I'm going to buckle down. This is what I got to do. But it start, It all starts with us. We have to make a decision for ourselves. Like, this is what I'm going to do. And once you make that decision within yourself, you know, it, it's nothing that can really stop you, man. The only person that can stop you is you. But you got to just be dedicated to whatever it is you choose to do. Be dedicated. Be committed. And um, that's why one of the things I live by is my mom. Beats more than no more. You know, because the really the only way to be successful at whatever it is you do in this life is to give it 150 percent. Otherwise, you just sell yourself short, you know, so you, you have to give your all. And, and once you once you make that, that commitment to yourself, man, that's that's the first that's the first step. So when you initially discovered that, you know, that's her love of sports when you're into that sort of environment. Can you remember which sport it was? You know, was there somebody there like a like a substitute father figure or was it the fact that you found that you could control your like your anger your you know you could let out 
your demons almost by playing sport, you know, like football and stuff like that? Or was it the structure of the game and the team rules and stuff that you really liked? You know, was there a moment that you th- can think back that was the sort of initial catalyst for the change? Definitely, that was definitely my outlet um, once I got into sports. Because for one, you know, like I said, being in a group one, that was one of the best things to have to me. But also as a kid, you don't want to be in a house full of 20 of boys. You're locked down. You've been told what to do, what to wear, when to eat, when to shit, when to piss. And that was, I used that as my release to get out of the house and release my anger. One of the things my high school football coaches always tell me, I was playing running back. He said, when you run the ball, you run like you're angry. And I was angry. I was, I was mad at the world. I was mad that I was in a circumstance that I was in. And I used that and I let that fuel me. You know, you can either let what happened to you fuel you or you can hold on to it and just go in the tank. And I used that as a tool to propel me forward. You know, so I definitely, it was definitely a way to release my anger and football was my outlet. Because I love that. I mean, I think we've all been in situations where we kind of use hatred of something or, you know, a past experience to really sort of grind out that last rep and stuff like that. But, you know, when you watch your videos, you're, you're such a positive guy. You know, you've got an amazing relationship with your kids and, you know, you're, you were teaching your son when you, you were doing some kickboxing training about, you know, you anger makes you sloppy that not to use it to kind of to push yourself but do it for the right reasons and that's what i loved about your stuff you know it wasn't this kind of oh you know go to the dark places like you see in some of these guys it's you know you even though you had a sort of a a really tough upbringing you've turned into an amazing guy but how can you think back during this time what was the things you struggled with was it not having that father figure or was it the situation you were in? You know, how did that kind of shape you? Do you think that environment of living with the twenty other guys and not having the sort of normal freedom that a normal teenager would have? Right. You know what? Um, it's crazy. I think, uh, yeah, everything definitely, definitely played its part. Um, you know, not not having a male figure, so that forced me to figure out things on my own, which made me comfortable with being independent. You know, I, I wasn't a normal kid where I could go ask my parents to borrow some money or do this, that, and the third. No, I had to figure these out on my own, you know? And and being in a group home, 20 other guys in the house, it very it definitely helped me be able, it helped socialize me. Where I'm now, now able to deal and communicate with all different walks of life from people from all different backgrounds, but at the same time, we're all, we're, we're all, we're all one, even though we all, you may be black, white, Hispanic, whatever, but we're all one. So it definitely helped me to be able to interact with all different types of walks of life and understand people and, and mm-hmm. gain a better sense of, of, of life, you know? And um, yeah, man, like I said, everything that transpired is what helped catapult me to who I am today, man. My, my mindset, everything good i love how you take something that normally would crush people and you're just like bring it you know i'm gonna smash my way through it i'm gonna learn something from it i'm gonna share it you know what was it about like the combat sports side of things that initially drew you you know was it the fact that it was you fighting against your opponent that you could channel your sort of 
your past and focus on that particular person? You know, what kind of took you away from, because you were, you got um, picked up by the Chicago Bears. What kind of drew you away from football, team sports, that sort of thing, and moving into the combat world of things? Do you think it was your, the sort of gang life that you had led up to previously to that point? You know, it's crazy, man, because, like, I was never, like I said, I, I, was, I was big on football. I never thought about fighting or going into combative sports. And um, it just came to a point where, you know, I uh, I wanted to do something different. You know, my passion wasn't the same with football, and I, I wanted to do something more. And uh, I remember my teammates, they coming to me and, and pulling me in, and they were showing me YouTube. This is the time when YouTube just started to hit. And who was it? It was Kimbo Slice. Ah, cool. And that was, yeah, yeah. And that was kind of like my first, like, damn, yeah, I could do that. You know what I mean? And uh, that that's that, that's what kind of gave me that itch a little bit. But I was still playing football. Football is a full-time job. You can't do both at the same time. So subconsciously, it was, I was like, you know, when I'm done playing football, I, I, I'm going to do that. And so really, it was me watching that which, which which gave me that itch and I kind of subconsciously just carried that until I was done balling. So what would how did you avoid then, you know, you're in this environment where I'm sure there were plenty of chances to sort of fall back into that kind of lifestyle, you know, the sort of the ju- uh, juvenile delinquent lifestyle that you mentioned in some, some of your other interviews. You know, how did you avoid falling back into that? You know, how did you make sure that you just kept on the right path? Did you just use sports as a way of, you know, getting up, training, eating right, focusing right, avoiding putting yourself in an environment where you could lead into those situations? You know, for somebody who's listening, who's in a similar situation, how can we shape our environment to avoid going down the same path that you've been going that you want to avoid? Right. I really, I would say the the simplest way is to find your passion. You really got to find something that you're passionate about, that you care about. And, you know, it's not it's not always going to be easy. Every day is not going to be a good day, but you got to learn how to just stay focused. Focus and football, that was my focus. I, I noticed that, wow, I'm good at this. This can take me somewhere. This can be my way out. This can lead to something much bigger than my current situation. So I used that. That was my drive. That was my force to keep me focused. And, um, you know, you just got to find your passion. Find that drive and stay focused on it, regardless of how, how tough you get. You gotta be able to persevere. And once you find that one thing that you love, man, that that's you gotta understand that's your way out. And it's not gonna be easy. You're gonna have to work away and chip away at it every day, you know. But at the end of the day, at the end of the tunnel, that 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 prize is there. But you just gotta stay focused. So how did you manage to build that, you know, that level of consistency, that kind of muscle that made you go to the gym every day? You know, how did you avoid being the it's easier just going out and hanging with my pals in the street. You know, where did that desire to be 150%, you know, to, to be the beast come from? Like, where does that mentality come from? Because a lot of guys who have gone, this is just too tough, you know, getting up at four in the morning and doing my running and working late and eating right. I can just go hang with my friends instead. Where does that, where do you get that beast mentality from? Man, it's, it, it, it's crazy. It's just like, uh, <laughs> I guess I guess it derives from childhood because at the end of the day, it's like, man, if if I don't if I don't go out and do what I got to do, if I don't put forth my best foot, if I don't give my hundred ten percent effort, I'm not going to eat tonight. 
you know? And it, it was it was just kind of a, of a survival thing that just developed for when I was a kid. And once I became, you know, in the weight room and I, it became addictive, you know, I, I became, it, I was an addict of it. And, you know, it just, uh, it just stuck. And from that, you see your results and you see you keep getting better and keep increasing and you fall in love with it and, and it becomes your addiction. But again, you got to be dedicated, you know, all that comes down to dedication and being consistent, you know? Cause so. there's something in there about like when you're working out and you know, you start throwing the weights around and it's that sort of primal masculine sort of energy, you know, it's like just you against the weight, the weight's always going to be the same weight. It's always going to be you, you know, you might push through the weight, you might achieve your goal of how many reps or the PR attempt, but if it beats you, you learn from it, It's and then you go again and again, and it, it actually becomes really enjoyable. I mean, and I, I get that you're very competitive and you, you really push it. And, you know, was this a way of letting the, the pent up, not anger, but maybe the, your, the baggage that you've carried from childhood out? And you know, and then you started seeing the changes in you, and you started seeing the development, and thought, "Yeah, this is the path for me." Was it? Was the kind of change the iron using the iron? Was that the kind of motivation to go? Yeah, this is a road for me. I'm definitely staying on this way. Yeah, definitely, definitely. And it, you know, it, it was it was an outlet. Shit, I had to come in here, throw 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 these throw these iron weights around. And I and I, I feel I, I feel the change. I see the transition in myself physically and mentally. Because it's first and foremost, all of it is mental. You know, uh, like you can come in there and have a bad day just because your mind wasn't right. So the the main part in all of this is that mental toughness, that mental focus. You know, it all it all starts with the mind. The mind is the strongest muscle we got in our body. So first and foremost, that has to be right, and that that right there can take you to a place where you can see your results, see your gains, or you could just totally go the opposite. You could totally go left and quit and throw in the towel because it's hard. I mean, that's what I love is you're not just talking about muscles in terms of like your biceps, chest, all that sort of thing. You're actually looking at it in terms of your mind. You know, that's what I really liked about your material, your content was you look at strengthening the mind at the biggest muscle, you know, and you push your kids to be like well-spoken, to focus, to develop like their mindset, their personal strength. And that's what I loved about that sort of thing. You know, you're, you're amazing with your kids and I know they're going to be amazing people from that, but where does that, you know, you're very, you come across as somebody very articulate, very well-spoken, you know, I mean, how did you shape your mind? How did you keep developing your mind as a muscle? You know, did you read a lot where you, like, because you've got as a BA in sociology? Correct, yes. So how did, like, that kind of schooling help you at that stage of your life? You know, how did that sort of structure and that routine help you in this progression, like, you know, the development to become the beast that we know and love today? Yeah, man. uh, (laughs) Yeah, just, you know, life, man. They say life is the best teacher. And just, just, just from certain events, it, 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 it made me have to be tough. It made me have to be mentally strong. Otherwise, shoot, I'd be dead or in jail, you know. And you gotta, you gotta just use that as a tool to keep growing from. Like it's same thing I do with my kids, and it's different forms you can do it in. But 
And it, that's the best. I see the beauty of it is once you train your mind to never stop, to never quit, the body's going to follow. A lot of people don't understand that. They, 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 they rely on their body more than their brain. And that's why there's a lot of people who don't meet their goals. They don't see the results they want because they're not training their mind. First and foremost, you got to go to a place in your mind where you can envision where you want to be, what you want to look like, what you, what you want your life to shape out to. And that's where it starts. And then the rest of the work follows. But first and foremost, you got to go to that place in your head and envision yourself doing what it is you want to do. And and more than likely, the body is going to follow. So how do you, like, do you use things like visualization, meditation, or is this just something that you've kind of developed your own way of uh kind of going into that place in your mind that pushes you on and keeps going or do you you know do you take time during your current week to kind of really look at where you are and like absorb things and meditate and plan and use action boards and stuff like that do you use any of that kind of mental training projections that sort of thing you know for me it's just when whoever is going in doing fight training or weightlifting or running whatever once, once I step in that door, everything else is blocked out and I'm locked in. I have tunnel vision, you know, and I'm just completely focused. You know, for everybody, it's going to be different. You got to find what it is. What You got to find your trigger, what works for you to take you into that place. For me, I just, I'm, 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 I'm a very mentally stuff, mentally tough and strong individual, very self-motivated. So once I step in the door, everything else, nothing else matters. What matters on me is, is, is knocking out the task that's at hand. Because, like, I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu, you know, and I'm, like, six foot three, uh, 260-pound or whatever. It sounds like that. And I, when I initially started, I was, was you know, society teaches us to avoid hit, hurting other people, to look after the vulnerable and, you know, not to be aggressive with each other. And you fit into your kind of, you know, your predefined roles. So I really struggled suddenly with somebody saying, get on top of him and choke him out or you know twist his arm to that point you know every that kind of aggressive side of it was really new to me but it comes across as it's all controlled aggression in your videos you know you can see that tunnel vision but you're you've got focus and drive you know you're not just smashing the crap out of bag or twat you know twatting the pads you're you can actually see that you've you're in control that you've got a goal at it. So how do you train on a normal week? I mean, are you looking just to get better or do you block it into stages? So you want to work on your skill development one day, your cardio the next day, you know, do you have overall goals for your training or do you just let that down to the coaches and just follow what they've taught? Right now, I definitely, um, you know, I, I try to take input from everybody, but I definitely have my own, my own, doing things and uh i mean i incorporate a little bit of everything every day like my training especially as a boxer as a fighter i've never had the, the typical fighter training my my stuff was always very unique and i don't know if it's because i come from football because i just think differently but it's, it's just different like so each and every day i'm incorporating plyometrics explosive movements sprints I, uh, you know, power, everything is incorporated, you know, and I still lift weights and I fight. And, you know, you got the myth of people, oh, if you're a fighter, you shouldn't lift weights. Oh, I make it stiff. Oh, I make it slow. Possibly. 
depending on the individual. It's not about what you do, but how you do it. So there's always a method to the madness, man, and to each his own. But for me, I know what works for me, and I think everybody individually has to know what works for them and how to gauge their progression, be able to recognize their weaknesses and what they need to work on and incorporate it into their daily training. And that goes along with diet, nutrition, everything. Because that's what I loved is when when I initially seen you, I thought, okay, he's a big guy, and then, oh, he's got some power and stuff, but... Then as I started finding out more, I could actually see like, you know, the cross training that, you know, you used to be a track star, you used to play sport football, you did kickboxing, Kempo Krati, but you've also done like MMA, you know, you could see the kind of the transferable skills, you could see the fundamental concepts that you built and developed and evolved, you know, and it's, it comes across really well, like that you switch from kickboxing to boxing, like it was nothing. Um, you know, and like for a big guy, your footwork's amazing. Your reaction speeds are great. You know, you've, you've been called an ex Mike Tyson, for example. How does that kind of inspire you? You know, I mean, how did you find the switch from boxing, uh, kickboxing, and evolve to kind of just boxing on its own? Did the cross training help? You know, because, like you've said, you've come into boxing and you're maybe not like the traditional boxing trot style of boxing. But, you know, what you're doing is bloody working, you know. So you've made your own version of that. Do you think your cross-training has really helped you in that regard? Absolutely. Um, definitely. And I'll take it, I'll take it back even to football, per se. Being like, You'll see a difference between people who fight and all, they, all they've done their whole life was just fight. And then as opposed to those who used to play football coming into the fight game, you see the difference because the, the ones that play football are usually more explosive because all we're doing is it's all hip and core all day is exploding off the ground, three-point stands, two-point stands. So I think that explosion aspect definitely gave me an up on every martial art that I've done. And then as far as coming from the kickboxing scene going into straight boxing, you know, with, with kickboxing, we got to worry about kicks. So our angles, our footwork is different because we were kicking off of our punches. So I think that's one of the reasons why transitioning to boxing, I, I was able to pick up and do certain moves and angles and footwork that, you know, not a lot of people in this time of boxing can do. So I think all of that leading up, definitely has helped me to, to be the type of fighter that I am right now. Now, I've seen videos where you've gone and you've worked with, like, the Mayweathers, you know, that you have, you're doing your own thing in the pool, on the beach, but then you've got your training with your coaches and stuff like that. You know, you always seem to be seeking out, some, like, the next level of expertise, the next coaches, like, kind of evolving your game and developing your skill. How have these kind of experiences helped you shorten your learning curve? Because watching your early fights to watching you now, the work you put in is very obvious. You know, you can see that development. The the skills are there. The, the punches are a lot crisper and the footwork's better. You know, how, how did you find working with like the likes of you know boxing gold and you know how did you s help mix your own version of boxing with the the styles from other coaches and put it into what's working yeah i you know one thing about me i've always been a student of the game um i was never the type of fighter 
or a football player or anything that thought I knew it all. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm very good at what I do and I have a lot of knowledge, but I always, you know, there's always more to learn. There's a never ending learning curve. And, um, you know, once you stop learning, man, then it's time to hang it up. So I'm, I'm steadily trying to evolve and I take, you know, a little bit from everybody, you know, because what works for one person may not work for me and vice versa. So I just like to take little bits and pieces from everybody who I think can add or sharpen up the tools. And then, I, you know, I just make my own salad with it, you know, because at the end of the day, when you go into the ring, you're going to fight the way you fight. A lot of it is extensional from over the years and hours of constantly training. So, you know, me mixing up and taking a little bit from, say, Jeff Mayweather, Dewey Cooper, uh, Coach Mustafa, Justin, and and I just make it all into my own, you know, because at the end of the day, you have to utilize what works for you. And what works for you, you know what's going to come out when that time gets tough and you're in the ring in the heat of battle, then you, can, you got your things you can pick from, you know, so – Definitely plays a big part. Take a little bit from everybody and make your own salad with it. I love that. I've I've never actually heard that phrase, and it it really just just the way you've said it is kind of like that makes a hundred percent sense there. They kind of you know a, a bit of the dressing here, mix it up in the bowl. You know, it's beautifully put. So, how do you find your current skills? You know, is there an area of things that you would like to work on next? You know, where how do you want your evolution of your boxing to come? Is it, are you wanting to get bigger and better opponents? Are you looking to just keep developing and just let things fall into place? You know, what would be the evolution of James, you know, the Beast Wilson's boxing career if you had your say in how it went? You know, I definitely, the ultimate goal definitely is to fight for the heavyweight championship of the world. Ultimately, that is, that is the ultimate goal. Meantime, the day-to-day goal is to just continue to sharpen up. You know, um, I'm, I'm good. I'm a, I'm a very good fighter. But there's still a lot of things that I would like to work on, personally, that I would like to tighten up and, and sharp, sharpen up on. And uh, that's, you know, that's one of the characteristics of somebody who, you know, is, is a true champion, a true champion mindset, because – they can admit to themselves that they don't know it all. They still want to get better. They still have the hunger and the drive. They still want more. And and that's where I'm at. It's, it's every day I just want to continue to tighten up and sharpen up. And, uh, you know, when the time comes, when I, when I get that call and it's for that World, Heavy, World Heavyweight Championship title, I'll be ready. So how do – like what would be a typical training week or – like a normal week for you look like, you know, because you've got three great kids, you've got an amazing relationship, you've got training, media, you've got all these amazing opportunities that you're currently doing. Do you have such a thing as a normal training week? Does it change when you come to a training camp? Or, you know, do you just kind of fit things in as you can around your other commitments? You know, because you're such a busy guy, but how on earth do you manage to keep that level of training, skill development, gym work, and just being a father and that sort of thing? Because it's a hell of a lot to do. <laughs> yeah, rush you. Kids alone is a full day. <laughs> um, my, man, I'm going to tell you, my nothing about – just when it comes to training alone, I, it's not it's not typical. Nothing is routine, I should say. And I don't like to keep it routine. I like to mix it up. I like to switch it up. Like, shoot, one day we'll be in the gym training. 
Then you know, and then next couple of days, I'm like, "Yo, coach, we're going. We're training on the beach. We're training in the mountains." I, I never like to keep my my stuff routine. At the end of the day, a fight is not going to go routine. You get, there's going to be different variations that happen to the fight, and you got to be able to adjust. You know, so I definitely like to switch it up. And uh, first and foremost, my kids that uh, they they come first over everything. You know, so I always, regardless of what's going on, I always make sure I set my time aside for them because they're athletes as well and they got long days just like I do so I want to make sure I'm still able to be there and give them the time and, and help them help groom them as well while they're coming up you know so it's, it's definitely a full day starting at 4 a.m and I don't get home until about 10 p.m you know from my own training and doing my stuff with my kids so you know at the end of the day man you know everything can pay off and it's just a, it's a it's a constant grind you know you gotta be committed it's hard work and dedication so how on earth do you manage to recover from that? You know, I mean, if you're doing that sort of thing and there's all these kind of additional things you get told, you know, you should be doing yoga, you should be stretching, you should be doing hot baths, flotation tanks, you should be watching tape of your next opponents. And, you know, and you're going 150%, you know, you're going beast mode with everything, you know, you're always giving your all, no matter everything we see with you. How do you manage to recover from this? Because... You know, you must be mentally and physically shattered on on a daily basis, never mind a weekly basis. What kind of like recovery methods do you incorporate into this? Because you just keep coming back stronger and stronger, better and better. Right. You know what? Um, <laughs> it, it's just something. I, it's nothing uh, set in stone, but I just I just kind of play with it, man. I, I I try to take a little bit of time if I get a little block and just chill out by myself. You know, no TV, no no laptop, no nothing. And I'll just, you know, have my alone time. Just just sit down on the couch and just chill out, gather my thoughts and kinda and kinda de- decompress. I just go into a state of isolation, you know, and if it's only thirty minutes, I take that and uh, that'll kinda get me a little rejuvenated and uh, you know, and, and pray, you know. I'm I'm big in my faith and uh that's just kinda help take me through on a daily basis. Because that, that would scare a lot of people, you know, like modern day guys, because we can't not have a gadget beside us. We can't not have the TV on or we need the noise. We need that kind of stimulation with from electronics. Do you think that's where a lot of guys are going wrong with modern day living? You know, is this something that you get your kids to do as well? You know, are we, have we become too dependent on trying to keep from thinking and talking and listening to our own thoughts by using technology as a kind of vice to avoid things? For sure. Definitely. Man, we, <laughs> that we see now it's funny because I seen a meme earlier. Like we use the internet used to be our escape from the, world, from the real world. And now the real world is our escape from the internet because everybody's always on the gadgets and whatever like i don't even let my kids play video games they don't play video games they don't play on the phone they don't do none of that because at the end of the day man there's a lot of life to live if you're always stuck with a screen in front of you there's so much more that you're missing out on you're not living in the moment you know it's like when have you ever seen that um there's an image of like everybody at a rock concert and nearly every single person's got 
you know, like their phone up in front, recording it, you know, even though it's right in front of them. And there's an old lady just sitting at the very front. She's just sitting, watching it, absorbing it, just taking it in. And, you know, it's just that moment of we'd rather record it and put it on Instagram and get likes and stuff like that than just actually enjoy and experience that thing. We're all worrying about what other people think and what other people care about. And it's really sad the way we've kind of, you know, we're judging other our lives and comparing ourselves our entire lives against somebody's very particularly chosen Instagram photo or their how many likes they've got in a video. So what what would be your definition of masculinity then? You know, what in your opinion makes a good man? You know, what is if you had to define the type of person that you wanted your kids to become in like, what kind of hard and soft skills would they have? What kind of mannerisms? What kind of men would you like them to become? To put, I mean, to, to put it simple, you know, men from the old school, men, men, men from back in the day, man, because, you know, they were men of character. You know, the same way you'll see them out in the open, that'll be the same way they operate when nobody's watching. You know, that's that's the difference between now, as you said, like with the whole Instagram thing, people want to compare my life to his life or what they got to what I got. It's like, shut up. Shut the fuck up. Trust your process. Your, his journey is not the same as your journey. What's meant for him is not for you. You know, we get so busy caught up in, in, in the perception of what we're supposed to have, what we're supposed to be like. No, your life is your life. And you only get one of them, so you need to enjoy it instead of you being impressed and worrying about impressing everybody else and living up to other people's standard instead of making the best out of your life and what you got. You know, and that and that's that's so big in today's society, man. So, like I said, I don't. I try my best not to let my kids. They don't play video games. They ain't caught up in all the the social media BS, man. Like, live your life. Live. You're gonna be structured. You're gonna be disciplined. You're gonna be men of character, good morals, and values. And and that's the stuff nobody could take away from you. You know, for the rest of your life, all the looks and and whatever else, everything else fades. But your character, your morals, and your values that live on forever. Because not only are you like a deep guy who has developed, you know, and dealt with his own emotional pain, and then become like a, done some amazing different things in different sports and won championships. Not only have you done that, not only are you dealing like with three young men and helping shape their lives, you know, you're also now working helping with kids that have been bullied and work with the EYC and things like that. What made you go back and want to give back to these kids, you know, work with the youth? Has that helped you kind of deal with any issues, any kind of emotional baggage that you had from your childhood? By helping others, has it helped you help yourself and almost heal yourself in a way? You know what? It's it's like this. I look, I look at a lot of things like this. If you... If you possess knowledge, skills, or whatever it is, certain knowledge, certain skills, and you hold on to them, you hold on to all your experience and you don't share them, you don't pass them on, then everything you went through and everything you do is just is just wasted. But the whole point is to help out the next man and help out the next generation. So in a sense, man, it was like my duty as being one of them. I was, I was once one of them. I was the kid sitting up at the group home. I was the kid in juvenile hall. I was the kid mad as hell because I had no parents. I had no clothes. I had nowhere to eat. I had nowhere to sleep. I was one of them. 
you know? So it's only right that I go back and be able to share my experience and to say, look, look where I'm at. You know, like this is not the last stop. The, the journey hasn't even begun yet. This is just a small bump in the road. And there's so much more out there. There's so much, so much more greatness that you can obtain, you know, but you got to lock in. You got to make that decision. You got to become disciplined. You got to stay focused, you know, so it's only right. And I, I wouldn't change it any other way. You know, it's us as the adults to raise up and, and guide the next generation. So, you know, that's just that's just one of the things man, that, I, that I love doing is helping out the youth, man. For sure. and, and do you think your your version of beast mode has changed, you know, because when you maybe initially started, it might have been that it was your focus to kind of take all your heart and your anger and like that environment and all that problems and then drive it out of you through the, you know, through the iron work, through the, the running, the football, etc. But now that you're working with the kids as well, is it also that motivation there to show them that there is better, you know, there is more to life, that they can build their confidence, they can avoid trouble and, you know, they can get the things of their dreams. You know, has Beast Mode kind of evolved from an, a personal reflection and dealing with your issues to actually encompassing the hope and future for other people, if you know what I mean? Yeah, definitely. And I'm, I'm glad you said that because it's definitely bigger it's much bigger than than what it seems and and it has nothing to do with just it's not just working out it's not just fitness or sports or whatever it, it, it's life period you know it, it's much bigger so it's i don't care if you want to be a doctor a lawyer a teacher an actress whatever you want to do if you want to be successful you have the opportunity to be successful you can do it that the way is there but you have to be willing to do the work you have to be willing to give your all. And that's in life, period, whatever it is you do, you know? So it, it's definitely on a grander scheme than just, you know, the situation that helped bring me out, which was fitness and training and football and sports. It's life in general. Okay, apologies. I'm just going to give you a quick shout out about my fillet schemes that are on just now. I know you don't want to hear this crap you hear in every other podcast, but I promise I'll be quick. Just a quick note on my affiliates to say I've set up some awesome deals with some amazing companies. If you go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, that's www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates, there you'll find some amazing deals. There's special offers, listener exclusive deals, and discount codes available. There's companies like Onnit, Amazon, MeAndies, Barbola Apparel, Dollar Shave Club, etc. There's stuff there that on deals on outdoor equipment, sporting equipment, tactical gears, gadgets and gizmos. There's stuff there that for yourself, for somebody special in your life, for a special occasion, secret Santa, office pool, anything and everything, you'll find deals there. I don't get anything about what you purchase. I don't get any information about yourself. All I get is a small commission from the company as a thank you for you using my links to purchase from them. You don't pay anything extra. Any monies that I do get back then go into making the site bigger and better, getting better tech, attracting and marketing a bigger audience to get bigger and better guests. If you've used one of my links, thank you very much. That link again is www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. There's no conditions except for those outlined in the notes itself. So feel free to share them, use them and abuse them as much as possible. Get the benefit of them because there's some amazing companies with some amazing products there. Simply go to www.nextlevelguy.com forward slash affiliates. And now let's get back to the interview. Cheers. 
because when I initially was sort of focusing on the interview, I thought I'd love to know about like where his power comes from. His reaction speed's amazing. But when I found out about this stuff that you do with these like disadvantaged youths, you know, that the amazing work that like you've done with your kids, how positive and motivational and how they always want to be with you and training, uh, you know, and the kind of just the training montages they have. It's awesome to see, you know, I would love to have kids that, that were that kind of focused and dedicated. I mean, I'm only an uncle at the moment. I like handing them back <laughs> for me. But how did cha- you becoming that f- a father change you in that sense? You know, when you suddenly be- had to focus on your children in addition to yourself, in addition to your training, how did becoming a father change your outlook on all this? Did it change beast mode for you? Did it change your intensity? Because you've said your children always come first. How did you have to change your life to kind of become a father? I mean, did you have a father figure when you were younger? How did you balance being that figure but not having the experience of one, so to speak? Right, right. No, that's, that's, yeah, I didn't. I didn't have a dad growing up. So I don't know what that's like. I didn't have, I didn't even really have any male figures to go to. Like if I had questions about whatever, I, I, didn't, I didn't have that. I had to figure these out on my own. Because you're oh. doing an awesome job of it. I mean, it's it's like you were born to f- be in that role. But wh- how how do you know that? I mean, are you just literally kind of feeling your way around? How you know how how have you become that figure that you never had the experience of? It's crazy because, like you know, there, there's no there's no pamphlet, there's no book on how to be a good parent, how to be a good father. You just kind of figure it out and. and, and you know, go along as, as life goes on. But for some of us, we have the idea in our head, I guess, subconsciously of what we would have liked for us to receive, what it should be like, what the parents should be doing. And ultimately, what we want is for our kids to have a much better life than we had, you know? So because of that, we go, man, that's 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 part of that beast motor no more. I'm going to give you 100% of me. I didn't have it. There's no excuse for you not to have it. There's nothing, you know, it's like, it, it, it wouldn't be any other way. And because of that, because you have these kids now that you have to look over, that you have to guide, that you have to ensure their life turns out better than yours, you have to give your 110%. You know, so it's beast mortar no more all around. I can't give you guys 110% if I'm not right myself, first and foremost. So it all it all comes full circle. Me being the best version of me is also me ensuring that you guys are being the best versions of yourselves. And I mean, you also do like um, volunteering coaching. I think it's um, strength and conditioning with a local high school. Yeah, you know, how and you know you've worked with some UFC fighters. You've assisted in other training camps. How did you find that transition there from being the person who just turns up, grinds in the work, smashes out the reps, you know, hits the pads, and then goes off to the showers? How did you find suddenly becoming the coach, becoming part of the training pack, and leading others, and being that father figure for other young guys who have maybe never had that? You know, how do you, how do you, because for me, it's, uh, how do you comprehend that? How do you switch from competitor to coach to father figure? 
how do you juggle that kind of responsibilities? I tell you, man, it's uh, it's just my love, my love for it, my love and my passion for helping, for helping others, especially kids. Um, that's one of the reasons, you know. Outside of my own kids, I work with a lot of other kids, and doing the shift condition with the high school, like I've already been in you guys' position, I already know what it takes. So why why would I not go back and share my knowledge, and share my experience to help you guys? do better than I did. You know what I'm saying? See, life is not about just ourselves. It's, it's bigger than us. It's about how can you how can you inspire and motivate others? That's, that's what life is about. And that's why I like to go back and, and help these kids who are not even my own kids. And I treat them just like they're my own kids. I'm still going to be hard on their ass. I'm going to be on them. I'm going to train them to the to my best of my ability. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure I pull out every, every piece of potential that they have inside them. I'm going to pull it out of them. And I know how to. I'm tr- I started that back in 2010. And even to this day, kids that I formerly coached still message me. Coach, that was that was the best experience of my life. Still thanking me to this day. It is just because, you know, I love what I do and I give them my all. You know? And it definitely comes across as that. You know, it's that's what I loved about yourself. I mean, I'd love to have you back on later. You know, we can talk about like training eating diet nutrition but this was the side of you that i love you know i love that you've definitely got a message you've got a focus you've got your it's almost like a mission you've got is to to use your experiences to help the young people to be that person that they've maybe never had i loved you said in uh i think it was like there was a series of like introductions to people and on yours it said about excuses are the equivalent of failure I love that kind of mindset. Can you explain about that? You know, why why do excuses equal failure? Yeah, you see, whenever we make excuses, we're never going to give our 110%. So we're never really going to exceed or excel in, in that particular whatever it is. See, we're too busy. Uh, I can't get up in the morning. I'm, I'm too tired. I can't, I can't live morning i'm tired like why why not why can't you why not there's blanket excuses that we give ourselves oh, i'll be tired there's blanket excuses we give ourselves to compensate for us not really wanting to put in the maximum effort and because we're not willing to put in that maximum effort we let that excuse fuel us we engrave it in our mind and then we fail we're not willing to give that 110%. Period. So how do you shape that muscle then? You know, like, I've been guilty of that, which I'm sure many people listening. How do we stop using excuses? Like, how do we snap out of that? Is it literally, like, you know, is it almost like a, not a punishment method of it, but how can we just get people to start building that consistency, that kind of stopping making excuses, the the switch of min- mindset. How, you know, have you found a way that works with y- young people in particular, or is there a way that you found that works with guys who are really struggling with it? You know, the best the best way to start to have them cut that out of their mindset is just to have them do it, whatever it is. Because usually, you see, it's, it's a fear. 
the excuse that we, the reason why we usually have this excuse for something, because we have a low key fear in the back of our mind. So the best way to start cutting those excuses out is to slowly step into the water. Slowly step into the water. Slowly step into the water. And inch by inch, we're going to get deeper and a little deeper and a little deeper. And before you know it, oh, damn, I'm not drowning. I guess I can do it. I guess this can work. And then you start slowly just believing in yourself. But, you know, it, it's, it's individually, it's different for everyone. But it'll take somebody who has, who can connect with you. And you really just got to formulate it to them, whatever it is. Like, I remember in college, guys were scared to hit a certain weight. We'll put, we'll put a certain amount of weight on the bar. Guys don't want to hit there. Before they even try it, you already count yourself up. Oh, that's too heavy. I never did that before. Just because you never did it before doesn't mean Man. you can't do it. So, right, like people already, you already fell. You already defeated because you're, you're telling yourself that before you even fucking attempted it. You know? So, get under there. Figure it out. See what it feels like. Then if you fail at it, you don't you don't get the rep. Shit. Now you know where you're at. Now you know from there what you need to work on. Now you can gauge it from there. But you can't initially count yourself out before you even attempt to do whatever it is. Because that's what I love is that passion and intensity. You can hear it in your voice. You know, you can hear the when you talk about training, you know, you're really excited and you're motivated. But when you talk about this kind of helping others the mindset the power this is where the real beast is for me it's that kind of you can see that drive that desire that mission that you know you you're hungry for it i mean have you had that all your life do you think in some way or another you know have you maybe didn't know what it was did that desire always just was it deep down when you were running with gangs and things like that? Was it always there or were you trying to hide from listening to yourself? And it was only when you kind of got caught and put in the home that you thought it gave you a chance to actually listen to what was going on in your own head. Um, You know what? I think it's something that was always inside of me. And as time went on, just certain events in my life slowly brought it to the forefront um, from for everything, from being in juvenile hall to being a placement and whatnot. Um, you know, I was very, I was a very closed off kid. Like, I didn't want to talk about my problems. I didn't want to talk. I just want to be angry. My way of expressing my anger was to hit somebody. That was the way I expressed myself. So I just think over time, man, I just, I found out that I'm a leader. People listen to me. And not because, oh, it's, I, it's an intimidation factor. I lead by example. I'm not going to tell anybody to do something that I can't do. You know, like I lead by example. And if I, if I can't do it, you know what, damn it, we're going to try this shit together. So just over time, man, I've, I don't know. I've always been a leader from college and everything. I'll I be the one getting all the guys doing the extra work. Come on. After practice, we got to go get a little, just a little more work. We want to get better. We want the championship. Come on. We got to put a little more work. And that's just who I am. That's just, I always want the best. Let's bring out the best, you know? If we're not giving our best, then we send ourselves short. Because it, it's quite amazing when you kind of reflect into it, when you look back and it kind of makes sense. But, I mean, did did becoming a father and coaching these guys and kind of, you know, having to be that figure for them that they can come to and ask the issues and stuff like that, has it helped you working with these guys, with the, the bullied kids and that? Do you think it's helped you kind of put to bed 
any issues, any demons, any anger that you've maybe carried from your childhood experiences? Has working with them helped you evolve into a more uh, a kind of more settled and happier person? Do you think? You know, I think it's definitely. Uh, I think it, it definitely played a part in you know of, of, of just developing and becoming a man. You know, and I say that because of the patience factor. You know, at dealing with kids, you got all these different personalities, and people come from all these different situations, and everybody, every, every, some people want a buck. You know, but to be able to have the patience and be able to communicate and talk with these kids and and, and share your experience, that takes a man. That takes a man to do that. Be able to reach these kids and humble thyself. You know, so. I for surely think it definitely definitely played a part. Because in another video, you mentioned that anger makes you sloppy. Now, initially, you can look at it in terms of you know anger makes you sloppy and the way you punch. You know, if you you're not concentrating on where you're putting it, and you maybe miss the power and the accuracy and that sort of thing. But it also makes you sloppy in life. You know, your approach to things, your way of dealing with problems, your way of dealing with people. You know, is this something that you've learned over time or, you know, where did that saying come from? Because it was a great lesson that you gave to your kid when he was trying to, you know, you could see he was getting angry when you were training together and you were kind of teaching him that it was okay to feel that, but don't use it as your kind of punching power. You know, where does, how did you learn that? Because you throw absolute bombs, but you're doing it with such accuracy and kind of control where does that emotional control come from and how have you taught it to your own kids? Well, you know what? Um, <laughs> life experience. You know, there's certain times, certain situations where not just me, people, period, we'll act on emotion. And a lot of times we act on just that emotion at that very time and we'll make the wrong decision. You know, we don't take that time and just, <sighs> All right, hold on. Let me, let me process real quick. All right. No, we're so quick to just jump off, snap. And when we do that, man, we make we make the wrong decisions and we look, we take ourselves out of character. One one thing about a good person, one thing about a good man is we know how to stay in character, regardless of how the situation is. Shit ain't going our way. We don't, we don't get out of character. And that's that's why I'm so big on them. Like, yo, it's gonna happen. We all been there. You'll get mad, you'll get frustrated. And let's just, do, okay, we'll just relate it to fighting right now. You get hit. You didn't like that. Okay. So you'll get mad and come at him and go, no, for what? No, cool. Take it. All right. Smile at it. Process it in your head. Stay patient. Stay patient. And eventually what you want to do is going to happen. But if you act right off of that emotion of anger and rage, you'll make the wrong decision. And a lot of times you hurt yourself more than you help yourself. And that could be true. You could be in a corporate meeting and you'll hear something you don't like, something you don't agree with. If you act off just your emotion, whatever it is, you, you're fired. If you do that in a fight, you could be knocked out. So you got to have discipline. And you got to focus. And you got to be able to channel that energy, channel that anger, change that rage, that aggression. I love that because that's something I struggle with is there's times when I'm in a jujitsu like fight 
and I'll I want to explode and just start you know really dominating the guy and you know I'm, I'm not getting anywhere or he's beating me or whatever and it's in your in your head you feel that anger coming and it makes you sloppy it makes you make mistakes and I love the way you look at that kind of mindset so imagine this is kind of a kind of morbid question but you know imagine that you've died and they're putting up you know that little banner thing at the bottom to announce it what do you want your legacy to be what do you want your like say you had one of your messages that to you that was going to be on that banner that was only going to be that thing that was played for days and days after you died what do you want your legacy to be i mean because you've done so much you've had an amazing life you're helping so many people but what what do you want people to remember when they think of james the beast wilson well first of all hopefully it'll be a long <laughs> long time before we <laughs> well it's, it's not a, it's not a threatening but yeah <laughs> I need another 80 years, okay? Okay, guys. I, th- I think you've got the powers to do that, I'm telling you. <laughs> man. But you know what? When when I'm gone, man, I just want to be remembered as somebody who was selfless. Somebody who cared more about more about others than himself. I put others before myself. Somebody who was an inspiration. Somebody who was a motivator. Somebody who who gave his all, you know, to what he did and, and to the people. You know what I mean? Um, I just want to be remembered as somebody who, who people could look up to, who was a role model, and uh, you know, people could look at my life and and be inspired from it, and it can give them some type of sense of motivation to help them to be better and progress on with whatever it is they seek out of their life. Now, my one of my favorite questions is always this one: If you had to say you're sitting at the head of a dinner party and there were spaces for your family and that sort of thing, but you could have five additional seats. Now, this was your dream dinner party. They can be real or fictional. They can be alive or dead. They can be somebody that's personal to you or it can be like a religious figure or it can be a TV character or whatever. Who do you let those seats to? You know, this is your dream dinner party. Who would you pick? You can have five or six seats. Okay, let's see. Dream dinner party. Okay. All right. My brother, my older brother who's passed away. Um, Tupac. Okay, God. I see where... That would be an interesting conversation. Yeah. yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh... Muhammad Ali. That's a pretty awesome pick there. I mean, I, I heard you mention, I was very sorry to hear about your brother because you mentioned you got a tattoo in sort of um, commemoration. Um, it's your, it was it your first was it tattoo? It was a cross, I believe? Yeah, yeah, that was my first one. Yeah, I mean, was- did that help you deal with that kind of issue? I mean, I've had grandparents pass away and I really struggled with it as a kid and I really didn't know how to to absorb it and you know because it was the first kind of time it really happened how did how did you manage to deal with it back then um yeah that was that was a tough that was a tough part of my life and uh shoot i was 17 at the time and i was going into my senior year my senior football season and that was really a time where i really could have went left and just threw everything away 
Now, at this point in my life, I got football scholarships on the line and I got a whole bunch of schools looking at me, recruiting me. And I could I, I could easily throw it all away. And I was ready to do that. You know, my, my brother was my best friend. And, you know, to be to be killed, to have your life taken away. Man, that's that's no, nobody wants to deal with that. That's something very hard to deal with. But I know that he would have wanted me to continue doing what I was doing. He would have wanted me to continue on that positive path that I began. So that was really a force that helped motivate me to continue on and, and excelling in what I was doing. And um, yeah, that was tough. That was tough. But but through that, you know, I persevered and uh, had a good season and, and got a full scholarship. And I'm sure that's what he, what he would have wanted. Because I think that's part of your you can see that part of your motivation, your passion, it's that kind of you're doing it for him as well. You know, you're you're achieving it for both of you as well. And I think that's something you should be really proud of is that, you know, that you're doing it to kind of to honor him, to kind of like as a kind of remembrance of him. And it's amazing what you've done. I mean, I mean, we've been talking, I've just noticed we've been talking over an hour and we have not even covered really boxing skills. But, you know, I would love to have you on again and really get into that because there's so many different areas we could have gone and it was, it was really hard to keep it general because there's so much about you than just a boxer that I really want to push it and learn more about it. So we've got to have you back on. But can I ask a, a strange question that a lot of people struggle with is, if you know you're such an intense guy you're driven you're articulate you're powerful if you had to pick a really strange thing about you that very few people knew you know that always makes people go what when they hear it what would you pick you know i've had some really bizarre answers but what would be what what like when i when i once set my foot on fire while i was reading long story but you know it's one of those kind of people give you a funny look you know what would you pick for your kind of unusual fact about yourself it's um, hmm. a good question <laughs> that you're willing to admit anyway <laughs> right, 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 right. <laughs> uh hmm I don't know. Maybe, I don't know. Maybe the, I, I love theater. I love plays. Have you got a particular favorite in mind? You know, is there one that you would happily watch again and again? Um, you know what? Well, like growing up, I used to really love uh, Death of a Salesman. Oh, Arthur, uh, Arthur Miller, is it? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. Yep. Yeah, I, I, I'm a theater head. I like theater. That's awesome. Because... I mean, that's why th- when I initially started watching your stuff, I thought, you know, he's an ex Mike Tyson. I can see that comparison. But then when I started listening to you, I could see that there was a, a lot of external factors. There was a lot more to the mindset, to the articulation, to the deepness, the to the messages you were given. There was there was something else there, and I was really kind of interested in finding out more about what kind of books you've read. I mean, do you have a favorite book that you love to kind of promote to the guys you work with? Um, let's see here. I don't, I don't usually get a lot of time to read, but one of my, I mean, one of my favorite books is uh, the art of war. Oh, Sun Tzu. Oh, I've. It's a good read. I like it. And how do you encompass that kind of mentality into your training? 
you know, like because he's got a lot of great ways of sort of articulating his message. But have you managed to turn a very old manuscript like that into a, a mentality for your boxing? Do you use that in any particular way? Well, it's probably like you know, saying with the book, it's a lot of, it's a lot of, again, it's about the mind. It's a lot of, of mental aspects into it, and. So yeah, definitely. I would I would say so, for sure. And how do you deal with the? I mean, you've got such a big nickname, you know, as the next Mike Tyson. That's that must be terrifying to kind of hold on to because Tyson was an amazing fighter and stuff like that. But how do you manage to deal with that? Being nicknamed like that. I mean, I've seen you training with him, and I've seen you training with like the the Mayweather's and stuff like that, but. Are you focusing being on the the first true beast of the ring rather than be the next Mike Tyson, or you know how do you deal with that comparison? You know, first of all, it's a you know it's an honor to be to be spoken in the same sentence of Mike Tyson. You know, I get that comparison a lot. However, um, you know, I'm me. I'm James the Beast Wilson. I got my own style, my own way of doing things, um, and I'm me. So. As nice as it is, you know, I don't like to be compared to anyone, you know. Um, and quite frankly, in my opinion, there will never be another Mike Tyson, you know. As he's one of a kind. And, uh, yeah, man, I'm, I'm I'm James the Beast Wilson, and uh, that that's, that's just what it is. You know, we just have similarities where, you know, being in the heavyweight division, we're both on the smaller side, you know, being, being shorter, more compact. And because of that, our styles are explosive. That's just the style, the style that comes with us because of our, our structure and it works for us. So, you know, by the end of the day, I'm, I'm me. I love that. You know, it's like you, you enjoy the comparison, but you're building your own legacy. And that's what I love about it is you're not trying to be him. You enjoy the comparison, but you're forging your, your own legacy in that rather than trying to mirror somebody else's. And that that's what I love about it. I mean, We've, like we said, we've def- I've definitely got to get you back on, but what do you want, you know, this will be the sort of second last question. What do you want um, people to take from this? What's uh, sort of like the go-home message? If they could only remember one thing from this, what what would you want that message to be to them? I would want everybody to take with them is that, that is, give your all. Give your all, Okay. Now, even if you fail at whatever it is, you didn't really fail if you made the attempt. You didn't fail if you gave 110%. You didn't fail if your mindset would be more than normal, okay? But you will fail if you're timid. You will fail if you're one foot in the door and one foot out the other. You have to give your all. That's the only way you'll truly succeed. And if you fail, so what? You get your ass back up and you and you, you recalculate your steps and then you do it again and give your all. And you keep doing that and you keep chipping away until you get to where you want to be. Shit don't happen overnight. You got to trust your process. Your process is not the next man's process. It's your journey, your journey alone. You got to trust it. I don't think I could have said better. You know, it's, I love that message. Now, until we can have you back on, um, how can people follow you? You know, because you've got some amazing social media channels. You're doing so many projects, and 
how can we follow the career of James? How can we see the uh, you know the Beast Wilson? How can we see the fights? How can we come and meet you, train with you, connect with you on social media, like follow your you know the forthcoming projects? Definitely, um, y'all can stay in tune with me and everything that I do on uh, just follow me at James the Beast Wilson on uh, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, right to my channel, Twitter. James Wilson MMA and just you know stay in touch man and uh when I have things coming up man you guys will be by the first to know man so make sure y'all come follow me and check me out man and you already know man it's be small or no mode well, well I cannot thank you enough it's been an absolute pleasure there's so many questions I've still got to ask so you've, you've definitely got to come back on and we'll smash it again I, you know you're doing an amazing thing the stuff you're doing with your own kids is amazing but the stuff you're you're helping the future generations of young disadvantaged kids who are maybe you know going to fall into dark paths you're teaching them that there's a better way of how to do it. You're becoming a father figure, teaching them to be better men, and you're helping the next generation of kids and become better men. And that is an amazing thing to do. It's probably one of the biggest compliments you can get is you're helping kids become men, and it's very few men are doing that. We're all you know, very selfish in our own desires, and you're taking time out and having long days by helping others and it's amazing to watch and I just wish you nothing but success for the future. Um, is there anything at the moment that you want to promote? Is there anything coming up that you think people should know about that, that I can happily promote on the site? Um, you know what? Uh, no, no particular fight scheduled up yet, but it should be something coming up soon. So uh, just, just stay tuned, man. And, and when I get the word, I'll put it out there and make sure you guys tune in and support, man. Uh, It'll be on the zone and uh, yeah, man, just stay up and follow the journey of the next world heavyweight champ. That's it for another week. Thanks for listening. Absorb it. Practice it. Use it. Until next time, keep trying to hit that next level in your life.